And there we go. We are back for another fantastic episode or chapter, as we call it now, on the Beautiful Mind Game, when we in, uh, invite guests on to learn a bit more about their uh, about themselves. And as you can kind of tell, everyone listening, I'm a bit starstruck by this guest because this guest is someone that, for the first time we've had on our podcast, I've seen live. So I got to see her in the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So I was so happy when I saw her um, perform because I was just kind of there like this this that this guest that we have is someone that has actually competed against one of my friends in a race so I was kind of there like oh no this is crazy to see so <laughs> before I give our guest obviously you've clicked on this podcast because you know who it is a proper introduction just want to introduce my co-host for today Millie Millie thank you very much for joining the podcast how are you today of course always good Hams it's always a good day when we're recording isn't it it always is, and it's a good start to the week as well. But um, before I blabble on um, regarding who we have on as our guest, I need to explain the story um, before as well. So basically, the guest that we have today represented England in the Commonwealth Games and recently represented Great Britain uh, in the World Championships or European Championships in, uh, in Germany, which was absolutely incredible to see for me personally because I'm a big athletics fan as well. So I'm a big fan of seeing how um, athletes at different sports that you don't see every day compete at the highest of level, train at the highest of level. Um, and just like I said before as well, before we introduce our guest, I just need to say with with the guest that we have today, she actually raced, I think it was in 2015 against or 16, I think it was at university as well against one of my friends. And it was like, she was the only woman in that race. And she raced against like, uh, I think it was about around eight people and she finished fifth which is crazy. And she finished one place below um, my friend Zim. So Zim, if you're listening, um, I've got your friend Holly Mills on the podcast today. So Holly, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, a few honours before we um, carry on. You're in the top eight at the Commonwealth Games. You were the European under 18 champion, top eight at the World Indoor Championships. And uh, you're in the, you were the bronze medalist in the under 23 European Championships as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. All that. Yeah. So anyone who's listening saying, why are you a bit starstruck today, Hams? This is why we've, we've got an elite athlete on the podcast today. So I needed to make sure that I got everything right. But no, thank you very much for your time today, Holly. It's great to see you. How are you today? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm in off season, so I'm just chilling at the moment, which is a very different pace of life to me. So yeah, feeling good. Fantastic to hear. And how long is your off season normally? Because being a heptathlete as well, for people who don't know, you have to compete in eight different um eight seven. different events. Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven different events. And then the eight event, as like I kind of mentioned earlier, is just traveling everywhere around the world yeah. to compete. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. How um, how do you deal with that, first of all? It's a lot. Um, when people always when I get young athletes talking to me about starting heptathlon, I do make it very clear to them that you're it's very all or nothing. You can you can never half-heartedly do heptathlon because you're always first to arrive at the track when you're training, you're last out, the days are very, very long. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely you've got a lot on your plate and you do not have a lot of free time, but it's also it's just the most fun and the most like event to do out of all of them, I think. That's really nice to hear as well. And if you were to pick one that's your favourite, not the best that you're at, what's your favourite event to do? See, people always ask me this and I would have in the past said hurdles or long jump just because they were the ones that I was better at. And it's obviously it's 
it's easier to love the ones you're better at than that your weaker ones. Mm-hmm. But now, um, now that I've grown through heptathlon a little bit, I enjoy them all at the same level. Maybe not so much the 800 because that hurts, but then that is probably my best event now. So okay. yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, all over the place. But yeah, I, lo- I love them all. No, that's really good to hear. And especially coming from Great Britain as well, where you've had heptathletes like uh, Jessica Ennis-Hill and Katrina Johnson-Thompson, who you competed against at the Commonwealth Games as well. It must be so good to be actually training with one of them and learning from both of them, um, even just like remotely or just online as well. And just kind of seeing how they develop their game over time as well. But um, I just wanted to kind of ask you about the Commonwealth Games, because was that your first time you competed in the Commonwealth Games at home? Uh, in the yes. UK? Yeah. yeah, my first, yeah, first ever Commonwealth. And then how did you find that experience for you as well? Because it was in Birmingham. It wasn't in London, like um, the Olympics in 2012, uh, which was a great experience, a fantastic mm. family event. Because with Birmingham, is a bit of a smaller stadium in the Alexander Stadium, but you had a, a different crowd and you had a big variety of a crowd as well because it wasn't the world coming. It was just people from the Commonwealth coming to watch as well, um, the majority of it, I would say. How did you find that? And how did you find that experience for yourself? I mean, the overall experience with the crowd, I I definitely think the crowd made the games because although the stadium was smaller, um, like the crowd was just absolutely incredible. It was was, like the British crowd just always turn out like to every athletics event. They just absolutely love it. So every single session, morning and evening sessions were all sold out. The, The stands were absolutely packed and the noise they made was incredible. And that like, that really made my games experience um, because obviously competition wise, I underperformed. So I was very disappointed with my overall competition because going into it, I was going there to win, which I could have achieved if I had performed like I usually would, but I underperformed and obviously ended up coming fourth, just missing out on the podium. But the definitely with the crowd there, that was, that was what I'll remember about the whole experience, just the sound and the energy that they were giving the athletes was, yeah, second to none. It was great. I mean, I was there cheering you on as well. So I was there on that Tuesday when you were doing, I think you were doing shot put and I think you were doing the 200 metres as well. So I had a really cool picture of like you and Katrina Johnson Thompson and the rest of the the athletes just getting ready to run. And that was such a cool experience for me because you're running on my side of the stadium where I sit in. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's really good. And it was a refreshing part for me to see in the Commonwealth Games where the Paralympians are competing the same night and in the same event as the, well, not the same events, but the same night, basically, as as the Olympians as well, because you're just kind of there, like, this is so cool to kind of see everyone coming and turning up, because I went to the Paralympics in 2012 as well. And even though it was big inside the stadium, the support was there, there wasn't as much media coverage um, externally as well. But for the fact that everything was happening on the same nights and the same days made it so much easier for everyone to get their time in the sun, which was fantastic as well. And even though you mentioned you finished fourth as well, I still thought that was a fantastic achievement because you're only 22, Holly, mm-hmm. as well. And you've got, what, Paris in two years' time, the next Olympics yep. as well. And you made it into the Great Britain squad um, in Munich. So I see so much progress there as well. And I'm really pleased at how you, you're saying that you've got room for improvement because that means there's so much more for us as fans to get excited about um, for your performances as well, which is great to see as well. Yeah, definitely. De- de- there's so much more to improve on, absolutely. Right, Millie, I'm going to pass it over to you because I'm too too hyped and too fan too much of a fanboy right now as well because I've got so much to talk about as well. So I'm just going to take a breath and I'm like going to let Millie ask some professional questions, I could say. Honey. So <laughs> you've got to break a pace with me, which is good. 
to be honest, I just want to continue with that. I'm just listening to it all, and I think it's incredible. Like I've literally got the um, the events written down here because I didn't even know what the events were. I knew there were seven, but I didn't know the, what they were. And I think it's insane that you can go from the 800 meters to something like the 100 meter 100 meters hurdles, and then to something like shot put. Like I think that's unbelievable. Like yeah. even. Yeah. Even to just do 800 metres is unbelievable, to be fair. But, mm. like, I think the way that you must train for me, when I was thinking of it, when you were just talking then, I was thinking about the way you must train must be, like, next level, like, literally next level. You said you had long days. What does a training day kind of look like for you? We usually uh, – so I train six out of seven days of the week, um, and we usually split the day, so we'll have a morning session and an afternoon session um and then a, like an active recovery kind of day which is Thursdays but all the other days I'll do an a.m session which will last about four hours and then the p.m session which is another about four hours again um and I'll go home have lunch nap in the middle and then get ready to go again obviously in the evening but yes you, you spend a lot of time at the track because obviously you have to cover every single event we try and cover every single event twice a week and then you have to get in all of your gym you have to get in all of your aerobic stuff and then just your flat speed. And that, yeah, there's so many components to try and fit in. It really is like a jigsaw puzzle trying to put it all together. It's and unbelievable. Just, just to um, interrupt there, Millie, just to break it down for our listeners as well. What are the seven events that you do for people who don't understand uh, what a heptathlete complete, uh, competes in? Uh, so the seven events. So on day one of a heptathlon, I'd start with the 100 meter hurdles and then move to the high jump and then the shot put and the 200. And then on day two, I would come back and do the long jump, the javelin, and then finish the competition with the 800 meters. Yes, a very grueling two days. So literally, so you've got to fit all that in, in two days, you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. You're just, yeah, you're out of the track competing two days straight. You're always the first people at the track because you're usually the first event on. And then the last event at the track because you're usually the last event on. So and then you'll go home, probably get about four or five hours sleep and then have to get up the next morning again and just do it all again. That's why at the end of the 800, you usually see all the heptathletes just on the floor because we're absolutely exhausted after those two days. So I'm not surprised. It's yeah, I'm not surprised. Fine. Honestly, like I'm rich. I'm literally amazed by it. Like the fact that you can do four hours of training in the morning and then go and do, what was it, four hours in the yeah, evening or something? You know, yeah. Like, I, I can't believe that. I guess, like, I mean, you're at the top, top, top of your game and that's what it takes to be there. But, like, for anyone else, even other athletes, like, aspiring to be like you, how do you make your body literally do that? Like, is recovery a massive thing for you? And, like, how do you just make your body train for eight hours a day? I mean, I, I'm a big, big advocate for recovery. Literally sleep as much as you can and diet is the most important thing like people I feel like sometimes people think that athletes they're like oh they can eat whatever they want because they're just going to burn it off in calories and stuff but it's like no because what we put into our body is literally fuel for what we're doing in the morning and the evening so I think diet and sleep are my two biggest things I I, I really hit hard because I'm like otherwise I'm never going to make it through the day um people usually comment on me like they literally never see me not eating and I'm like because if I don't eat, I literally will not make it to the end of my PM session. So, yeah, definitely all of that. That's what I always say to like young people trying to aspire to be a heptathlete is you've got to fuel your body and you've got to let it recover because otherwise you're just going to yeah pick up so many injuries and not make it through. 
Yeah, I've seen you take a lot of like the immunity things, like the supplements, like the turmeric things. I'm, I love like I don't love turmeric, but like I think it's amazing what it can do for you. Just tell us a little bit. Go on, tell us a little bit about that then. <laughs> so I take I take a little turmeric shot every single morning, um, just because. Oh, it has so many benefits to obviously you've mentioned immunity and immunity for me is key because my immune system's obviously suppressed every single time you train and compete because you're putting a load through your body. So actually I just try and back it up with as many different things as I can. So I take like SIS immunity tablets. I take turmeric. Um, I'm also an ambassador for a brand called Currents who I take as well because they improve immunity as well. So anything I can to support my own system I'll take just to boost it because otherwise yeah I'm going to end up getting ill all the time yeah it's it's massive it's honestly I think like we've spoke so much about nutrition on this podcast but I think that like for someone like you it really like hits home how important your nutrition is and like the amount you eat is so important as well yes what does your like daily kind of diet look like Definitely. And I think it, I think this is something that needs to be spoken about more as well, particularly with female athletes, because even speaking to people now, after all the stuff that's been coming up with nutrition, so many of them still believe that they need to be lighter and skinnier to be better. And the amount of people recently that I've heard say that it's, it's quite shocking to me because for me, I've grown up always having like the thought that food is good and you need to eat as much as you can to grow, to get strong. But the more female athletes in particular I speak to, they think that eating less is going to make them better because they'll be like skinnier and everything. And I just tell them, no, you you need to fuel your body if you want to get better. So my overall thing is eat as much as you can. Um, I usually have like two breakfasts in the morning. I'll have like a protein yogurt with muesli and berries to get all my antioxidants in and my protein. And then I'll have like boiled eggs and toast for some more carbs and protein after that I'll snack through training with energy bars and have a protein bar at the end of my training session go home and have another carb with veg and meat lunch in the afternoon I'll probably have another kind of protein smoothie um, and then go training have another snack like a cereal bar at training I'll finish training have a protein shake immediately when I finish go home have dinner again which will be loaded with carb protein veg and then usually before bed, I'll have like a cherry active juice, which obviously helps with sleep and recovery. Um, so, yeah, my main theme, definitely getting in enough protein, because obviously with all the work you're doing, your muscles literally are crying for that protein all the time. And then just as many carbs as you can to fuel yourself through the day, pretty much. Right. Millie, compare Holly's diet with your diet on your, on your <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> To be fair, I'm actually working on my diet right now. Like I feel like I was always kind of into nutrition and things like that, but I feel like for the amount of work I was doing, the amount of training I was doing, I wasn't eating enough either because I changed to that vegetarian diet. And what you just said about protein, I wasn't eating enough protein, nowhere near enough protein. I think I was eating just under body weight amount of protein. So it's literally like for anyone listening, it's literally you eat like literally just under as much as you weigh which for, for, for me wasn't enough at all so basically the nutritionist said look what you're doing you've got to eat more like protein and things like that so I started having the protein yogurts I started having the protein bars and things like that just little like snacks it's so difficult when you don't eat meat as well to try and get that energy in 
So, you know what, after doing that and after like actually taking notes on my nutrition, I feel amazing. Like I feel so much better. I can't even tell you how much better I feel. My diet is not as well put together as yours, I must say, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm working on it. I am working on Mm. it. I do try and eat right. Like I have all the turmeric stuff and things like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, that is incredible. But you know what? the type of like the amount of maintenance you must make to keep up with your diet to keep up with your sleep to keep up with everything just to make you the best it's mm. unbelievable holly like seriously it's un- unbelievable thanks it's a, a lot of a lot of thought goes into it but it does help because i'm very much into my food like i love creating recipes and like i'll always like post them on my instagram stories of like oh, i've just made this dish and everything so it does help that i'm really into it because i know some people who literally hate hate cooking and that does make it more difficult to eat like well because you just can't be bothered to create all these recipes and stuff so yeah yeah I'll have to take some tips from you in your Instagram (laughs) yeah you should definitely you'll be performing like her this season as well if you will maybe which will be good um Right, Holly, I need to break off into another different part of the conversation now because we've been talking about food and I'm getting a bit hungry, so we need to talk about something <laughs> specifically um, in regards to your development as an athlete, as a heptathlete as well. So why don't you take it back to kind of when you first started competing in athletics, how you kind of got into it and how easy or how difficult it must have been for you to kind of get to the stage that you're at now. So you can just tell us the story in terms of the story of Holly Mills, basically. I'd love to hear it. Sure. Um, So I first got into athletics when I was about seven or eight years old after I kept winning basically at sports day. And so another parent said, I know, I know. Right. And I had all these first place stickers on my, on my sports day t-shirt. And another parent said to my dad, why don't you take her to the local athletics club um, and see if she enjoys it. So my dad was like, okay, you know what? Yeah. She doesn't do any competitive sport at the moment. So that might be an idea. So he took me there. And I just instantly fell in love with it. I loved that. It was so, whoever crossed the finish line first won. Um, It was whoever like had the quickest time, the furthest distance. I absolutely just loved that. Going through school, I didn't so much enjoy team sports because I didn't enjoy relying on other people like to, to get us to win. And I found that a really difficult concept to kind of grasp. I liked all the pressure being on me. I liked having control of kind of my own fate in the competition. Yeah, having so, like the ownership of everything as well. So you yeah. knew if you knew to do anything better, you knew you could do it personally better as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. I very much yeah liked having that control over the competition on, on just on me. So I immediately fell in love with it, started training, tried out all the events when I was younger. And then I specialised in the long jump from when I was about 13 to 18. Um, and I got really, really good at that. I got to international levels. I won the European youths, I won the Commonwealth youths, I went to the World Junior Championships. Um, And then it was in 2018 at the World Junior Championships where I had just my lowest year to date. Um, And I really struggled that entire 2018 season. Um, I was jumping well below where I had been for the past previous years. And my kind of passion for long jump, I felt it slowly start to fade. And but my love for athletics was still there, but I was just really struggling to connect with the long jump at that point. Um, So mentally, that was a really challenging year. But that is what pushed me into multi events, because 
after the 2018 season finished and I hadn't even made it out of the qualifying round at the World Juniors after previously going to championships and getting medals, um, I decided it was time for a change. I was starting Brunel University in that September. So I contacted my now coach, Laura Turner, and asked her to coach me um, through multi-events. At the time, she was actually only a sprints and hurdles coach, but she was like, you know what, let's give this a go. Let's try it out. Um, and I've been training in multi-events for the past four years with her now. I've been part of the whole West London track and field setup. Um, and people always ask me, they're like, do you think you'll ever go back to just long jump? And I just, I don't think I could do just one event anymore. I think I'm now so invested in doing seven events that if I went back to one, I'd, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. You'd be robbing so the public. That's what you'd be doing. <laughs> if, imagine if you go from doing eight, uh, seven events to just one after such a great start to your career so far mm. as well. Personally, I'd be heartbroken, but you'd see so many people just be like, didn't she do um, hurdles? Didn't she do 200 metres before? Didn't she do 800 yeah. metres? You'd be like, oh, no, that's just onto one event. Um, I know. I'm glad you're in that mindset, personally. So that's just my, my, my personal yeah. opinion. Definitely. So, um, yeah, I could never go back to just doing one event now. I think I'm all in kind of till the end of my athletics career in these seven events, just trying to kind of be the best I can. Um and I've definitely come a long way in the last four years from starting out. I have a lot less experience than the people I'm competing against still. So I'm still trying to gain that kind of experience, which is what I keep reflecting on when, when obviously this year didn't go entirely to plan for me, um, getting medals wise and everything. I still keep thinking, I think I've only done seven heptathlons in my entire life. Whereas I'm competing against people who are kind of in like 20, 30 heptathlons. So I still have a bit of catching up to do. Um, but that also shows your potential as well like I mentioned earlier as well mm -hmm. yeah exactly so these last couple of years have really been a good springboard for me competing at international levels I've done European and world indoors I've now competed in my first commonwealths I've competed in a senior Europeans so I'm stacking up that experience in these last couple of years hopefully to go and grab some medals in the next couple of years to come fantastic and I just kind of wanted to know what a typical season for you looks like, Holly, because you, you told us about how your season's recently ended. Um, mm -hmm. Can you just tell us a bit more about how your season tends to go? Do you have to do so much training before your first event? Do you have to do pre-season training as well? What does your calendar look like in a nutshell, Holly? So we usually have our break towards the end of August, the start of September. So that's the phase I'm in now. And then towards the end of September, we will start doing a bit of pre-season stuff. So we'll do two weeks of kind of any if anyone's got any prehab or rehab to do, we'll start moving the body and doing that. And then from the start of October through till the end of January, it's winter training, which is the proper hardcore grinding it out kind of in the cold, just doing all of that stuff. So that's a good a good four or five, no, about four month block of winter training. And then we'll come out for the indoor season, which is usually fe feb mainly February, a little bit of March. So we'll compete for about four to six weeks indoors, um, which this, this season will be European indoors for me, will be the biggest goal. And then in the end of March through April, it's another six week training block. And then we come out to compete for the outdoor season in May through to August, but obviously still training at the same time, but it's a lot lighter, faster, snappier training through the May till August region. So I've learned that you basically get no days off, basically. So you can't just like relax at all. And I've noticed that you're going to be traveling a lot to different locations, indoors and outdoors as well. 
Yeah. Um, what kind of destinations will you be going to? So will it be mostly across Europe? Will it be across the world? How will it kind of work for you uh, over the next season, Holly? So next season, I think we'll mainly be traveling through Europe, um, mainly because obviously it's Europeans indoors, which will be the, my first travel. Um, I'll probably do a warm weather training camp somewhere in January. Um, I don't know whether that'll be Dubai, South Africa, America, and then again in April, probably off to America again to do those warm weather training camps. But competition wise, I definitely think it'll be based around Europe. I'll be going to the prestigious Gotsis meets, which is in Austria, which is a whole multi-events meet, which has all the best multi-events in the world, which I competed at for the first time this year which was the, one of the best in competitions I've ever done. Um, and then the world championships, I think, are in Budapest next year. So that's, again, Europe. So that's where I'll be off to at the end of August as well, hopefully, having to qualify. But, yeah, a lot of European travel next season. That's fantastic to hear because it just shows that even though you're putting your body through so much in terms of how much you have to eat, then putting your body through so much in terms of how, how you have to exercise as well, you don't have to then travel to all these different places for just training as well which goes to show how almost difficult but then you can enjoy the local sites whenever you're going to different places and it's a benefit as well but mm -hmm. um how do you kind of cope with that mentally Holly in terms of having so much not pressure but so much ownership I would say in terms of how you have to keep everything so disciplined in terms of just because you need to improve year on year um, going forward and we already can kind of tell me I think as well she's putting a lot of pressure on herself so much because it's an individual event so she knows that she knows what she can do for next year as well so how do you kind of deal with everything at such a young age Holly? I think in general I am quite a disciplined person I have I have been since I was younger if I put my mind to something then I know I'm going to do it um, and I think dealing with that pressure is definitely if you put the training in and you know you've done it there's not as much pressure as you feel because you're like, okay, I've done all the hard work. All I have to do is literally showcase all the hard work that I've been doing now. Um, and I'm the type of person that thrives off pressure. The, the more of a pressured situation I'm in, the better I tend to perform because I feel like I rise to the occasion. I definitely am the type of person that rises to the occasion. So the more people that are there watching, the more pressure that's on the higher level of the competition, I would definitely rise to that occasion compared to if I was competing in a really low level competition, I might then be a bit too relaxed. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that I just fall back on all the training and all the hard work that I've done and put that together with, I'm in this intense situation. Can I rise to the occasion? And it usually comes together for me. Go on, Millie. No, I was just going to say, like, um, that mindset is just, like, it's great. Like, I love hearing about, like, different athletes' mindset. And I think, like I said before, you're, like, at the top of your game. And that's what you need, isn't it? Like, that's literally what you need. Um, a little bit more about the mindset, because I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> a little bit more. I wanted to ask you to go a little bit deeper. So I know that you said that, you underperformed and at the Commonwealth, but I mean, you came fourth. That's unbelievable. Like, but the fact that you said you fourth in a first Commonwealth Games as well, by the way. Yeah, literally, like it's incredible. But the the actual fact that you said you underperformed and you wanted more shows that you're you're basically wanting <coughs> more and you're striving for bigger things, better mm -hmm. things. But how do you kind of cope? So 
I mean, for example, for me, I know some days, like I'm building up all week to the game day, which is usually Sunday. I'm mm. building up all week and I, it might be a great week. I'm building up, building up, building up. And then come Sunday, something's just not quite right. And I'm just not really on my game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of, I feel it like I feel it in the warm up and things like that. But you've still got to like deliver to, to kind of deliver that consistent performance. And then anything extra is a bonus, I feel, on those kind of days. What would you kind of say, like, for you, if you woke up on one of those days? Is there any of those days for you? <laughs> oh, all the time, all the time. Um, definitely, like, doing the event that I do as well, your body never, ever feels 100%. And I think that's taken me quite a few years that I've been doing heptathlon to realise that some days you're, you're never going to wake up and feel absolutely incredible. You're never going to wake up and feel like my body is 100%, my mind's 100%. And sometimes you you just have to just get on with it and do it. And actually, those are kind of the days that you surprise yourself because you expect a lot less of yourself when you wake up and you're like, damn, this is this is not good. I do not feel it here. But you actually surprise yourself more because you're not expecting too much of yourself. And then you actually end up performing a lot better than you thought. Um, and I think that definitely has come from the fact I have to wake up on a day two of a heptathlon. And at that point, your body is you're in pain you wake up and I just I always just sit on the end of my bed and I just sit there for about five minutes thinking everything hurts right now I'm tired I'm mentally drained my body hurts but then you still have to you have to get up get your kit on go down to breakfast and then go and do another three events that whole day so I think that definitely has helped me to realize that it's never and the situation is never ever going to be perfect there's no right time there's no like absolute optimum that you're ever going to be at and you just have to deal with what you have and give what you've got on the day and if it's enough it's enough but if it's not then you have to go back and recognize what could we have done differently to get me to a better point um so yeah I'm definitely a kind of I get on with it type of person but then I'm also a reflect on what could what, what could we have done differently in the lead up to help me feel better so that I this doesn't happen again kind of thing yeah definitely I think that the reflection as well is massive a lot Mm. of people don't really do that as well like it's sometimes it's missed off because they just thought oh like I don't know like analysis and things like that sometimes it's missed off but I think it's massive because then you like you said you see where you can improve and things like that what do you think about that Hans? Uh, being a coach reflection is just part is just as important as when you're starting the game to be fair as well so even before um, I could understand how I'm going to win a game. You have to re- reflect on the last game. You have to reflect on how well you did last week, how well some of the players did last week as well. So for reflection, is pretty good. And I remember you did a your Instagram post, Holly, after the Commonwealth Games was more or less like a reflection as well. You wrote a really long message on there as well. And I was kind of thinking, you're kind of reflecting in public in terms of how well you've done, but how well you thought you could have done. And then you did the same after Munich as well in terms of how you got injured as well. So I was just kind of there thinking... How important is reflection to you in terms of with your, not just with your build up to any event, but to build up with with your games, but do you commonly take things that you've learned from your previous events, from your previous notes from your coach as well into the next one straight away? Or do you have to um, ponder how you're going to develop into that into that next phase, basically through your reflective uh, process, Holly? I definitely, I mean, I use reflection in so many different ways through so many aspects of my life, because I think, 
I'm, I'm a big person where I think mindset will always outweigh physical ability. I think you can, you can be the best physically, you could be the strongest, the fastest and everything, but mindset is, will always, always be the biggest thing. Um, so reflecting on what's happened so that you can go into it with a fresh mind next time, you can go into it with a different approach. Me and my coach always, after every heptathlon, we don't do it after every single competition. So when I do like an individual event, we'll have like a 10, 15 minute chat kind of reflection about what went well, what could have been better, what we'll do next time. But after a heptathlon, we definitely do have a, a bigger sit down and we chat and we go through each event individually, kind of technically how they went. But we also go through how my body felt through the whole competition, how I mentally reacted, how my emotions rose and fell throughout the competition so that the next step we go into, we know what to expect because we've already experienced it from the last one, but how we could actually implement something to change what has happened because you don't want to be going through heptathlons kind of scrambling for new ideas. You want to go to the heptathlon, be on that start line and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've learned. And this is what I'm going to take into this one. So yeah, a lot of reflection. And when you reflect on it as well, do you have video analysis to look back on your step-by-step -step process to each event so you can see how well you did in certain events and how you can improve in next events as well? Or is it more in terms of from muscle memory or from just your own memory as well? Or is it a bit of everything in a way? To be honest, yeah, we do we do use videos. So when I'm at the competition, my coach will video what I'm doing so that um, we can look at it past, pre past the competition and see what was going on. But also... Going into every competition, I have a little cue card for each event and I write one cue on every single one and I slot it into the shoe for each event. So for hurdles, I might write something like snap the trail leg round and I'll slot that into my shoe. So when I go to put my spikes on for that event, I'll pull out my cue card and that will be the one thing that I'll think about during that race is just snapping my trail leg round. And I do that for every single event. So after the heptathlon, we review my cue cards and we say, did these cues help me to get the performance I wanted? And if they did, then we're like, okay, we can, we can put that in our pocket and we can use that for next time if we need to. If it didn't, that cue obviously isn't getting into my head in the correct way. So then we need to find up a new way of wording it or a new cue to get me to do what I want to do. So we also, we do use video, but we also reflect on what I did in the competition based on what I said I was going to do. And if the outcome reflected on what I'd written down and if it didn't, then we have to change our approach. So yeah, we do a lot of that kind of reflection as well. So with all the professional coaching you get, with all the video analysis you get, with all the technology you have access to, it could be as simple as putting a cue card in your shoe. Yeah, that's that's mine and my coach's motto every single time. It's like, you already do seven events. You already have all this stuff going on in your brain, like 24 seven, it's, it's a lot to process. Why would we make it any more complicated than it needs to be? We literally, yeah, in my case, it's a it's a little bit of card. I slot into every single shoe. It literally has like two words on sometimes. Um, and then other times, I think just during my 800, sometimes I've literally just written breathe on the cue card. So that's the last thing I see before I go out into the race when I take it out of my spike. And it works for me. So yeah, keep it keep it simple is is definitely what I say. That's what I love to hear. It's fantastic. And um, going on back to the, the Commonwealth Games and to the European Championships as well, 
On a personal note, how cool was it to be competing against some of the top athletes in your field? And how cool was it to be competing against Katrina Johnson-Thompson as well? Because at the end of the day, she is your teammate for England and for Great Britain, mm. but she is also your rival, kind of like in Formula One. You could be on the same team, but you're competing to beat her. How, yeah. does that, how did that kind of work for you in that dynamic, competing against arguably one of Britain's greatest heptathletes as well? And for someone who you want to emulate and uh, eclipse as well, how did you find that? It's definitely been a strange year because this has kind of been the first year that I have competed against her. Um, in the past, we've always kind of been in competitions, kind of individual ones, maybe like the British champs, where we're doing like a long jump against each other or something. But this is the first year that we've actually done a multi-event against each other. Um, and it's very strange seeing someone that you used to watch kind of on TV and you followed along on Instagram and you've kind of seen her achieve all these things. And now you're stood next to her on the start line. And it's kind of like, we're in the stage now, obviously she's not at her peak at the moment, coming back from injury still. So we're at a stage now where me and her are kind of head to head. So we've had competitions where at World Indoors this year, I beat her at, Co at Gotsis as well in our first half of the season, I beat her there. And then she beat me at Cornwell's. So it's very, very strange seeing someone who you've kind of looked up to and you've kind of at the start of your multis career she's been the one kind of on the big screens and now you're kind of in a rivalry with her and people always ask me about this rivalry and I'm like I'm still wrapping my head around it like this is this is she's world champion she's double commonwealth champion she's won europeans and now kind of I'm there fighting to try and get medals against her um so which is really cool but at the same time I'm like okay I'm kind of stepping into my time now as well so I'm looking to beat her. At the start of my career, I kind of would have been like, okay, I'm fighting here for a second place behind her, a third place behind her. But now I kind of see myself, okay, we're both here to go for a gold medal. It's not kind of like I'm not stepping aside to let her take the gold anymore. I'm, I'm trying to compete against her, which is, yeah, something that younger Hollywood have kind of been like, are you sure this is happening? But it, it is, and I'm here and yeah. It's, it's crazy that our times have overlapped. You say younger Holly. How old are you, Holly? 22. And how long have you been competing for professionally? About four years. Yeah, so you've got four years of experience compared to people who have done like 20 or 30 heptathlete events as yeah. well. So like we said as well, your ambition is crazy and I love it. I'm here for it, which is fantastic as well. Mm. Um, but realistically speaking, going through... Um, the training process and getting through to the Commonwealth Games as well and then seeing the rest of the athletes that you see at the European Championships and the Commonwealth Games. Were you ever in fear? Were you afraid? Or did you just have that tunnel vision in terms of, yeah, I'm here now, let's get on with it, instead of looking over and seeing people that you've seen, not just uh, Katrina Johnson-Thompson, but other athletes from different countries as well who are um, who are at their season best. Some of them were in their peak as well. And I think one or two of them still hold like European records as well. So... How did you kind of find that personally for yourself? Were you starstruck or were you like, nah, I've got this. We've got it in the bag. I I'm the type of person where I could literally go into the competition ranked 20th and I'll stand on the start line and genuinely fully believe that I'm going to win. I think, I, I don't know why. I have, there's like, there's literally no evidence to back up that I'm going to win. I, I might be standing there and literally have the lowest PB on card or anything. And I would genuinely believe that I'm going to cross the line first. I'm going to score the most points. And that that definitely helps calm me because I don't look at other people. And I've never looked at other people and think, 
I, I want to be you. I want to be like you. I've always been like, I'm very comfortable being myself and I like <clears throat> who I am. I like how I compete and I have full confidence in myself in every competition I go into. So in Munich for the European Championships, obviously, uh, Nafi Tiam was there and she's double Olympic champion, double world champion. And then you had some of the world medalists, some European medalists in there, two other Olympic medalists. <clears throat> but I say the first event's the hurdles. Everyone stands on that start line and everyone has zero points to start. So it doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter what your titles are before. It doesn't matter what your best PB score is. You might score 400 points more than me but we both stand on that start line and have absolutely zero points and it's a seven it's a seven event journey that we go through and we go through it all together and some people excel in some events and other people have weaker events and everyone just pieces the puzzle puts the puzzle pieces together throughout the heptathlon and comes out with a score at the end so I think it's definitely one of those events where you yes you have favorites but at the same time anything can happen in a heptathlon there's, there's seven opportunities to excel, but there's also seven opportunities for things to not go your way. So it's all it all comes down to what happens on the two days. So yeah, I definitely go into every single competition that I have ever done thinking I can win this. Amelia, I think you need to take some inspiration by that as well. Whichever midfielder you see in a game this season, be like, I'm the best midfielder on the pitch. Literally just take mm -hmm. that into your games now. That's how you need to go for your Literally. season. Definitely. I think it I think it's huge. Like I think people don't do that enough. Like mm. there's not many people I can think of that has that kind of mentality. Like walk out on that pitch, on that track or whatever it might be. Even in general life, really, even if like you go to work and now there's not many people that can go out there and have that mindset of I'm the best and I'm gonna do better than anyone else. And I think yeah. it's so it's so important because you're believing in yourself, aren't you? Mm-hmm. 100% back back yourself all the time no matter no matter how and over the like last two years I've had so many fourth places it's it's becoming a little bit ridiculous now like I'm like what is happening in let's every not make it a habit it's better than being fifth or sixth but let's not make it a habit yeah I know honestly I've had so many fourth places and I still go into the the competition thinking you're going to come out with the gold every single time every single time I think that yeah, and you will. You will with that mindset. You will. One like, day, eventually, 100%. it will happen. It will follow yeah. through. It will. No, I think it's incredible. And to be fair, like, I'm literally sat here, like, learning a lot. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I've been looking for a new book, like a new mindset book. And I did ask Hams yesterday, and he, mm. he mentioned Grit by, who was it, Hams? Angela Duckworth, I think. Oh, you're muted. I think Holly should write that book instead, instead of... I was just going to gonna say, yeah. I was just going to say, I might as well just listen to this podcast over and over again. Like, that's yeah. good enough for me. <laughs> Definitely. Because you're just kind of there, like, even though it's self-belief, do you have anyone in terms of, in your family, in your coaching group, in your friends group, who gives you such positive energy, not just for, as an athlete, but just as a human being, as a person, Holly? I think definitely I surround myself only with people who serve me positively if if there's ever anyone kind of negative in my life I will no longer entertain that kind of relationship with them so the people I do have in my support network are fully fully behind me and I think that definitely helps with my mindset because like my family are all in my friends are all in my coach supports me in not just through my athletics but she's definitely 
been a major, major part in moulding me into the kind of confident, self-assured person that I am today. Because for someone who only started multi-events four years ago, I have the level of confidence of someone who's been doing it 15 years. Um, and I put a lot of that down to her because she's a she's a very, very confident person and she puts her confidence into me as well. So I think having the correct people around me and that kind of support system where they fully, fully believe that one day I'm going to be Olympic champion, I'll be world champion, I'll break the world record. Like that, they're all things that I've set myself as goals, but they also all fully believe that, which I think just adds to the kind of team I have behind me. So I can stand on the start line and be that level of confident. The thing with confidence as well, Holly, you probably know this already, is confidence inspires positivity as well. So Millie and I can probably come off this podcast thinking, yeah, this is a banging podcast, but we'll be feeling good for the rest of the day as well because of such a good conversation we've had with you, learning from you. And it's something where you can just, it just kind of inspires people that you wouldn't even know about as well. Like even like I said, when I was in the crowd, I was just kind of there like, wow, this this person's sick. And you're just kind of there like, this is incredible. Because I saw the um, the pole vault, I saw a few of the shot puts, the javelins as well. And I saw your heptathlete, um, yeah, events in the evening as well. And I was just kind of there in awe because you're just kind of there like with people who have that confidence in them. They may not win or um, win a gold medal or win an event, but they're still showing positivity and they're sh- still showing um, the right vibe, I would say, just to put it in layman's terms, the right vibe in terms of how someone can then leave that event it could be like a, a young boy or a young girl who wants to get into athletics or they're just watching it for the first time ever and like I said for it being in Birmingham somewhere where um, you only get like uh, British championships as well at the Alexander Stadium for, for such a big event and for a lot of tickets that were free and for free travel as well it must have been incredible for at least one or two of them going back thinking oh yeah I could do this I can get inspired by getting into these events as well which is absolutely incredible and um, I'm really pleased that we got to have this conversation with you today Holly so um, before we wrap up the podcast, Millie normally has a few questions to wrap up the podcast for you, but I have a few as well. Um, they're just quick fire ones, so I just wanted to know um, a few things. What's mm-hmm. been your favorite moment as a Hepsafi? So, not your best, but your favorite. I'd say it must, it, it's got to have been at the Commonwealth, just standing on that hurdle start line before the competition even started hearing my name being announced and just the crowd just erupting because I did did, did not expect that level of volume. And that was the first time I heard the crowd and it was kind of like you felt it in your chest. And I was like, wow. So yeah, that, that, that moment was pretty special. So that's number one. Number two from me, name your top three uh, external inspiration. Definitely my, my parents, if they count with one or two, my parents, my coach, and athlete-wise, the last one would be Jackie Joyner-Kersey, who is the heptathlon world record holder because she just annihilated everyone. So, yeah. Definitely. And the last question I need to ask you as well, what can we expect from you in 2023? In 2023, I am aiming for a medal at the European Indoor Championships as well as a medal at the World Outdoor Championships in August. So, yeah. I'm done. I'm done with fourth places here. You heard it here first. Done with four places. We'll, we'll clip it. We'll clip podium. it. And then when it comes out, we'll send you the clip as well. Be like, yeah, I told you back in uh, September 2022. Yeah. Not, not going for fourth place anymore. No, we're on the podium. We're on the podium next year. And we're staying on the podium, which is the uh-huh. best thing as well, which is good. No, that's yeah. fantastic. Millie, I'll let you fire away with your questions because I know you've got, again, 
not fanboy questions, but more professional and realistic questions. So I'll leave you to it a minute. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I've just thought of a question. When you've won that medal, will you come back on and talk to us? Absolutely. Yes. yes. 100% I'll be back. There we go. Last one. It kind of relates to something I said earlier as well. I'm like, I actually had this pre-prepared. I, my question is, if you could write a book, what would the title of that book be? Or what would the concept be? The concept would be something along the lines of discipline over motivation it, it's got to be something like that I'm definitely it, I'm definitely more it'll, it'll be something to do with mindset definitely your mentality athlete mentality and how discipline is going to get you a lot further than just trying to be motivated everything every single day it's like when people say oh they when they put their headphones on they become and um, listen to music they become instantly more motivated when actually the music is just a distraction from what you're doing. So you feel like it's less work what you're doing. I'm definitely the type of person where you've got to get up every day regardless and just be disciplined in what you're doing. If you don't feel like doing it that day, you still got to get it done. So yeah, so it'll be something along the lines of discipline gets you further than being motivated by other, by external people every day. It has to come with inner discipline, something like that. That's interesting. It's cool as well. I'd definitely read that because a lot of you're right. A lot of people think that it's just motivation. Yeah, you're dead right. Discipline all the way. There's 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 majority of the time I do not feel motivated to do what I have to do. It's just it's pure, pure discipline because I want to do this to reach here. That's literally I want to get from. Yeah, from here to there. So and that's all it comes down to. I mean, that's just the perfect answer, isn't it, Millie, for a mental health and a mindset podcast that we do in terms of uh, speaking to athletes and people in business and whatever we're talking about. Just the perfect answer we can ask for, ask for at the end of the podcast, which is great. 100%. So, so good. Um, but no, um, one question that I had written down as well was just in general, how cool is it that you get to actually represent your family, represent your country and represent yourself in all of these events um, across the world? How cool is it? I mean, it's it's like what other job lets you do that? It's it's incredible. I'm literally it is my job to run around a track and perform in front of all of my supporters and represent my country and my family. And I get to kind of showcase not just the hard work that I've been doing, but all the hard work that everyone behind the scenes has also put in. So, yeah, it's it's incredible when you think about it. And it's really strange to think I just I just get to go out there and showcase all the efforts of myself and other people that are very close to me so it's yeah the coolest job in the world it might be difficult and it might be very very straining at times but I couldn't think of a better way to be spending my time I think you've just given us our title for this episode Holly the coolest job in the world featuring Holly Mills <laughs> what an episode that would be for everyone mm-hmm. listening um, but no, just before we wrap up the podcast, Millie, I want to say thank you very much for your time today. Um, what's the one thing that you've learned from Holly in this episode from yourself? You know, like I said before, like, honestly, when I said I could just listen to this podcast instead of reading that book, I meant it. Like, I think that you've given us so much to learn from us. And especially for me, like I'm sat here and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I could do that better about my own performance as well. Mm. Maybe I could do this better. And it's just especially that bit about confidence like it's just someone you kind of just need someone to say it to you again or you need someone external to say it to you again because 
I think that's huge. Like you have to believe in yourself. And this is what we're about on this podcast as well. Like this is kind of why we both started it as well, because we need to like, like let people know that they can believe in themselves. And like, you have to believe in yourself, not just that they can, you have to as well to get yourself further. But yeah, I think you've taught us so many things, like honestly. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it. Thank you. It definitely, yeah confidence is everything and I definitely think people pressure is always a privilege is what I say so use that privilege take confidence from that and just keep yeah keep keep the confidence up and keep going because if you're if you're if you if you have pressure on you you're obviously in a privileged situation where people are counting on you so be confident with that privilege you're just giving us title after title after title here Holly <laughs> pressure is a privilege now what is this this is insane oh my days I don't know what we're going to go for now, Millie. We just have to do we have to do another podcast, like you said, when Holly wins the gold medal. Um, but no, <laughs> Millie's been talking to us, um, well, to me, I would say, in terms of getting to do more in-person podcasts um, over mm. the year as well. So where would you be based over the off-season in the UK if we were to have a spare day and we were to have a... We could even compete against one another. You can see how bad I am at running, yeah. but decent at shot put as do well. That. So try out, try out some heptathlon events. That would be good. Um, where would you be based in the UK if we were to come over for an in-person podcast before you um start your winter training? Uh, down in West London, probably at the moment, near Brunel University. Oh, nice. Yeah, Uxbridge kind of area around there. That's okay. We'll see what happens with um, Millie's schedule and with my schedule, but I'd be down for that. We could have an in-person podcast. We're looking at doing different things as well. And um, everyone can laugh at me not winning at some of the events past Millie, but that's all, it's all part of the fun, which would be good as well. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd I've... be much better. <laughs> like, like, you're like an athlete, see, Millie. Like you should it. be running. I'd Come like to now. see a little competition between the two of you over the heptathlon, all seven events, and we'll add it up at the end. Now, so we I'm did, down we... for that. We did like a football indoor event as well, um, Holly as well. And I was like shattered because I was jet lagged from the day before. I flew back from the USA. So I had to do it the next day and I was shattered. So I need to find a good excuse like that as well to um, turn up um, to West London as well, which would be fun. But um, no, one thing I've learned from you personally is how relatable you are. You're not like a um, an athlete that's made it all about the sport or all about her. You made it in terms of anyone listening to this event even though you've talked about your events, how you talked about the pressure you've got, how you talked about your training and your discipline, you've talked about how anyone can just follow these basic principles in terms of your discipline, in terms of dealing with pressure, in terms of understanding yourself in a way to improve yourself going forward. So that's been my key takeaway from this episode. And I thank you very much, Holly, for your time today. Um, if there was one message you could give out, one more message, I should say, to our listeners in terms of how they can develop their mental health their mental resilience what would it be and um, yeah what would it be yeah because I think it definitely stems off what you've just said is the fact that I'm not like this superhuman or anything and there's there's nothing in that's particular- a lie you are a superhuman <laughs> there's nothing I've not been like given these gifts and there's nothing that I have done that's absolutely super special I've just implemented discipline every single day and been very committed to the task that I see in front of me and I think the overall takeaway that I would give to people is just to simply it's taken me some time to get it but just to simply look at yourself and be yourself and just think that you you are simply the best at everything you do just you walk into a room and you're the best person in that room 
you you're talking to people and you've just always always got to have like self-love self-assured be self-believing in yourself and I think that will take you further than kind of any anything that anyone can ever tell you you just have to be with yourself 100% and back yourself 100% in every single thing you do just believe that you're the best person in the room every single time and it will take you so so much further because the level of confidence that will give you even if at first you don't fully believe it you just got to trick your mind into into thinking it at first and then it will take you so much further than you can imagine hashtag believe and you will achieve which is what mm-hmm. I've, used, I've been saying for a long time and people very are like much. it's a very childish thing i'm saying but i'm like no you will achieve people mm-hmm. people don't get it until they get it until they see it basically which is really good but yeah. um Millie, I'll let you close out the podcast. But Holly, I just want to say thank you on behalf of myself. And I just want to say thank you for your kind words, for your generosity and your time as well today. It's been great to learn from you and to listen to you as well. Um, Hopefully we'll be in contact over that in-person training session that we'll have later this year, which will be quite fun. And um, I won't be ready for it physically, but I'll be ready for it it mentally after listening back to this podcast when it will happen. So I'm looking forward to it, which will be good fun. Um, But no, Millie, I'll let you close out the podcast today. Uh, where lastly where can everyone find you holly what social wise both she doesn't want to be found she doesn't want to be found she's training she's got a gold medal (laughs) to win she's in her she's in a tunnel zone that's what she doesn't want to be found at all um so my main my main page where you can find all my stuff is on my instagram which is holly.mills underscore and that's where i post all my stuff about my nutrition my training what i get to get up to outside of athletics so that's quite an overall holistic kind of view of my life. And I'm quite I'm quite honest and real and open on that as well. So I think, yeah, if you want to kind of follow along my journey, that's, yeah, my Instagram is the place to go, I think. Perfect. I'll be following those meal tips and all those <laughs> secret tips you have. Definitely. Um, but no, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Holly. Like we said, it's been a great conversation and both myself and Hams have loved it. I know Hams has especially is <laughs> loved it it's been my favorite one yeah we've done it, we've done it since March it's been my favorite episode no life yeah. sorry to our previous guests but when you're talking <laughs> to Holly Mills I mean come on now it's insane thank you thank you everyone for listening like always you can find us on all your streaming platforms um, and give us a follow and give us a share if you like this if you think someone can benefit from it definitely give us a share why not but yeah thanks everyone for listening again have a good day and goodbye